We've got Lachlan Maranta. He is a former Bronco, uh, Queensland Red Dragon and Winner Manly Seagulls player. And honestly, thank you very much for joining us. What have you been up to today, mate? Uh, not much, mate. Just um, obviously been a Monday. I was at work. Um, you started off with your grassroots in Queensland, um, you know, playing juniors for West Panthers. What was it like growing up, first of all, playing with West Panthers and growing up in such a rugby league central focused family with a dad such as Brett Plowman and your grandfather being a co-founder of the Brisbane Broncos? Um, yeah, where do you want me to start? Do you want me to start with family or do you want me to start at West? Uh, let's go family because <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously growing up with granddad and um, probably not spoken about enough, my uncle as well, Steve Williams. Okay. He was one of the founding members. Um, he sort of, I don't know, he's not the forgotten man, but he sort of doesn't get mentioned. So, um, well, it's yeah, you know, for sure. footy was always... Yeah, so footy was always around the family. Um, my cousins and I, so Steve's two sons, we were both, we were all three of us were ball boys, even when Broncos were playing at ANZ Stadium. Um, so, sand boys you as know, well. it sort of worked oh, no. out that way. And then with mum, I wasn't the sand boy. My, my cousin, Jono, he was the sand boy and he, he tend to, he tend to forget. And um, at ANZ, <laughs> they actually played, uh, played that song, Mr. Sandman. Yep. <laughs> so um, that would be his. That would be his cue to go run it out. So wow. But um, I I think mum as well. Mum was the first female to work at the office. Oh wow. Um, that's that's a milestone so right there. Ma- mm. So when um I'd finish school, I'd always end up at end up at Red Hill and would sort of be in and around the admin offices upstairs. So sort of for as long as I can remember, that's where I I would end up after school. Yeah, no, so it was kind of a no-brainer that you'd end up at the Broncos one day playing. Um, and you started that by doing your juniors with West Panthers. What was it like going through that team? Um, it was good. So uh, I was lucky. You know, I actually started at um, the Limba Valley All-Stars just okay. playing. I think mum just signed me up because we lived at Cooparoo. But yep. then the one of the Brisbane Broncos... Um, Football staff, Paul Bunn, who ended up being the recruiter, his sons were my age and they went to Maris and they were in a pretty strong team at um, Pertel Park there at the back of Barden. And they asked me to come and play. And to be honest, I was I was probably a bit out of place in that team. That They were a very good team from the age of, I think, under 11s. I got there in under 12s. And um, I still remember the day where mum pulled me aside after training on the way home and said, look, look, I'm happy for you to keep playing in this team but these guys take it seriously so if you want to keep playing rugby league and just have fun with your mates we can where else but if not sort of pull your head in in okay. probably in the nice way of, nice way to say it yeah and um and take this seriously so we had a we had a very good team i think you know we went very close to winning it nearly every year i think maybe only one year we lost it and then wow. at the age of 16 i think we had maybe six or seven Bronco contracted players like oh, Corbin Sims. Yep. Um, and another Louis Frisbee who played the Broncos in the 20s. Mm-hmm. Nick Frisbee as well. He he went on to play for the Wallabies. Um, we had Ben Malley who was our under 20s Broncos captain. So we were pretty, we were sort of littered with players, which which obviously made it enjoyable because everyone loves winning. Yeah, oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, and mm. then obviously you went through the ranks, um, you know, the uh, the junior systems and stuff, under 16s, under 20s, all that jazz, the new the na- national youth competition for the Broncos. Uh, what was it like, first of all, getting a first grade contract for the first time and being with the Broncos, so given the history with, you know, y- your family connection to the Broncos? Yeah, obviously it was a, it's like every any kid in Australia's dream come true, um, and then also to have those family ties, it sort of made it, it all a bit more surreal. And um, I was lucky enough to have Cyril Connell there the day that, and my grandfather the day that I signed my first ever NRL oh, deal. Wow, it would have been amazing under twenties, under twenties deal. Yeah, it is. It's one of those things. Probably at the time, as a young kid, I think I was several. You sort of took it for granted, but now they're the stories that you sort of look back on and you reflect on it and you probably think, oh, I wish I probably took more took more time to sort of think about the moment. But I guess that's just the growing up and being a bit more mature. Yeah, well, they do say hindsight's a beautiful thing. Um, and mm. obviously with the under-20s and stuff, uh, what, what was your first ever day of uh, first grade training with the Broncos first grade squad like? And how intense was it compared to under-20s and all that sort of stuff? Um, I don't remember my first first grade training session, but funnily enough, and it was always sort of known, under 20s training was always harder than first grade training. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> just, I think it was just more in the sense that we we're all young kids. Everyone was basically, we were just getting flogged during preseason. Yeah. You know, it was people, not that I was, but people were working throughout the day. I was, I was at university and, um, we'd only trained from, you know, five o'clock to eight o'clock so you had three hours to jam everything in but whereas in first grade training you're coming in the morning and, and like it's you've got the whole day so yeah. it's all sort of spread out you've got everyone looking after you recovery wise and everything but obviously the intensity at first grade was was a lot higher yeah it was a lot higher but yeah it was always a sort of a running joke that 20s always got um flogged more than first grade wow but also, I guess that kind of helps set the precedent for when you get into the NRL and the first grade training. Um, so it's something that you can handle sort of thing, you could say. Kind of like how teachers prep you for tests more intense than what the test actually is. Yeah, and I think that's probably why the Broncos did did do that. You know, it was sort of to to get you ready for that next step. And for, I don't know, there were, there were stages, obviously, throughout people's careers and 20s that they got called up the first grade if they'd, you know, if they'd gone easy and just had fun at under twenties, which a lot of, you know, seventeen, eighteen, nine-year-olds wanted to do, it probably wouldn't have put them in good stead for the rest of their career. So, at the time, it's again one of those things that you sit there and you're thinking, "Oh God, we're getting flogged again." But in hindsight, it's what we all needed. Oh, absolutely. Um, now, do you remember much about your first grade debut for the Broncos? And if so, talk us through, you know, the week leading up, the day of, and everything involved with that. I do remember it. Um, I got a call from Anthony Griffin on a day off and I actually missed the call, <laughs> funnily enough. Um, so that wasn't a great start. Um, it was about nine o'clock it came through and I, I was out at a mate's house at Fickery Pocket and there wasn't much reception. Came back, so I never really had my phone on me. Came back inside and, yeah, I had a phone phone call from Hook um, saying that I was going to get a go. The week before, I flew down to Melbourne with the first grade team. Mm-hmm to sort of, I guess, back in the day, like at, before 18th, 19th, man. I was yeah, just like be amongst it as well, yeah. The warm yeah. up and what it's like to travel. 
Yeah, so that was that was obviously good for me. And then Cook debuted me against um, the Sydney Roosters. We were playing down there, I think it was on a Sunday night. Oh, wow. Or maybe it was a Sunday 4 o'clock game at Sydney yeah. Roosters. But the week leading up to it was a bit rough. I actually got hooked my first training session. Um, I think it was more just, just nerves in the sense of, you know, yeah. little sort of little drills I was that were pretty simple. I was just a bit rattled and not in awe because I was training with, with the boys, but, you know, I probably wasn't, it wasn't switched on enough. So that was a bit of a, a funny, um, funny week and a few of the boys didn't let me forget about it. <laughs> wow. And then um, on, on the, on game day, come game day, did the nerves subside or did they get more intense sort of thing? Um, no, the nerves were, the nerves were fine. Uh, it's, it's funny you say, you, know, you never really hear about many footy players sort of getting nervous. It's more that excited sort of anxious that sort of you thing. have from debuting was yeah a bit yeah a bit anxious, but one of those one of those things where you know everyone tells you a thousand times just get in early and um, get an early touch, get an early tackle, and you sort of roll your eyes and think oh, it's not that simple. And then sure enough, it's it's that simple. So it was actually a really rain. It was um raining all day in Sydney, so it was a miserable game to come out to, which maybe that was what made me a bit more nervous thinking being playing on the wing thing and um it's wet. No winger really enjoys playing in the wet, but nah, they don't. yeah for nerves I can't really remember many. Did you get the win? We did. We won down there. Um, nice. I was lucky enough to get a try and debut. Oh meat well. pie on Jared your Beal. on your debut and the win. Yeah, Jerry Beale put me away, so it's it was like all good wingers only had to run two two meters and put it yep. down. So I just it. had to finish it. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Nah, no, that was a pretty awesome. good, pretty good day. I had a good story actually after it. Yeah. Um, oh, tell us. Yeah. I got ran. I got randomly drug tested by Asada. Oh, okay. On your debut day. They, they said, you, <laughs> "Yeah." So <laughs> they got me straight away, and I don't know, don't know why, because I, I was never the biggest winger either. So yeah. it's not like I was um, one of the ones that you'd be picturing. But anyway, I was waiting there for quite some time to, um, I, you know, you got to go through all the admin and filling out forms and everything. One of the Roosters players was in before me and then I was I was sort of waiting my time and yep. all of a sudden Sonny Bill Williams walked into the same room. Oh, wow. And Because we, we just played against him. And yep. um, he started talking and he was really nice. You know, he started talking about the game, said congratulating me for my debut and everything like that. And then... Probably about five, six minutes in, the Asada guy came out and said, "Oh, who's next?" And I, I don't know for whatever reason, this was probably what I was in. Or I, I turned to Sonny Bill and said, "Oh, he was next." Even though I'd been waiting there for about twenty minutes by myself. So, oh wow! He, he, he got he got special treatment and got to go. Stitched up. And I had to wait another fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. wow. <laughs> Stitched myself up. Yeah, far out. But th- that's that's really interesting. That that's such a crazy debut day as well. Not only did you get the win. You got the meat pie as well on, on debut and you got drug tested and you come up and you met one of the, what is undoubtedly one of the greats of rugby league all in the same, you know, wow. Like mate, that's, that's incredible. Um, yeah, now tickets t- off the bucket list early. Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, everything basically was, was ticked off your debut try. Mm. <laughs> wow. Um, and get drug tested. The only thing left was maybe a grand final, if that. Um, then after a few years <laughs> at the Broncos, you headed to Union. And what was the decision behind that? And obviously you went to the Reds. What was it like at the Reds? 
Um, well, the decision was there was all that, so I went to a rugby union school in Brisbane, yeah. Gregory Terrace. And, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I grew up playing rugby union from the age of eight all the way through to grade 12, and mm-hmm. there was always something in the back of my mind that I wanted to go back and play rugby union. I had a, I had a few schoolmates that, that went on and played, um, two went on and played super rugby, one went on and represented Australia at the Olympics for, for the seven, oh, wow. so. No, I was always I was always heavily invested within rugby union, and um, the year before I got asked by the Reds if I wanted to come over, and I still had a year to go on my Broncos contract, and I yep. said, "Look, no, sorry, I'm going to stay with the Bronx." It's you know, I wasn't one that oh, I, to break I'm, contract never really compared to these days. Guys trying to break contract. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's again, again, back then, I guess when I say back then, it's only what five, six years ago, but. It was it's still less. It was just, still um, less done it, than it now. It wasn't done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then lucky enough, Nick Styles, who is the next Terrace boy, was um, got the coaching job, and I got the opportunity to come back over again. And um, you know, some people say to me, my rugby career decision was probably not the smartest one, as in career wise. But I always say to them, yeah, it's fair enough, but. It's probably the man I am today, which you know I've made some lifelong friends from the from the Queensland Reds that I still keep in contact with. So I don't I don't look back on it with a negative mindset. I, I had two pretty good years in Queen, like fun years in Queensland, made friends, and that's what footy's about, really. Oh, absolutely! And you also were able to satisfy your um, mental edge of thinking, you know, because if you future you such as now would be thinking, you know, if you'd have stuck with the Broncos all that time, you would have there'd be a nagging feeling in your mind, maybe thinking, was I ever good enough to make it in the, in the super rugby? Well, you managed to uh, find, find out cause you did, you, you played, you played a few games and you managed to make it in the team. Do you think that that was also part of a deciding, you know, part of the deciding factor? <laughs> yeah, I did want to see if I could make it. Obviously seeing guys that I came up against at school playing super rugby. Um, that was probably a bit of a silent, sort of motivation behind it but um rugby union was also always a game that i enjoyed and loved yeah. playing so and also to then obviously stay in brisbane your home state oh absolutely it was yeah. a um no brainer really sort of a no no brainer for me yeah so I was, yeah I, again i look back fondly on all my time at, at ballymore so yeah it's it is what it is no that's awesome and then obviously you made a comeback into the nrl after your time in Union, uh, this time jumping ship down to New South Wales, down to the cold-ish in the winter area of Cogra and Wollongong for the Dragons. What was it like going from such, first of all, extreme weather in Queensland down to the Dragons and also the differences compared to the Dragons with the Broncos? Yeah, the the, the Dragons one was a bit of a weird one, how, how it sort of all um, came to fruition. One of my good mates, Corbin Sims, who I've yep. mentioned before, he was he had, he had just moved down there from the Bronx, and I um I was in Sydney for my cousin's wedding, and instead of coming back home, I was in off season for a union. I said, "I oh, look, I'll go and well, sorry, I wasn't in off season because my contract had finished, so yep. I had, I was, you know, you're still getting paid up until the end of your free year, agent sort of thing. I, yeah. Um, had, yeah, free agent. And I said, "Oh, look, I can't spend a week in Wollongong with you," and it was the Melbourne Cup, and um, I was. Corbin had to go have a meeting with Mary, and he. I said, "No worries, mate. I'll just um, I'll hang around your house. Just come yep. and get me when you when you're done, because obviously I don't have a car." And then 
next thing I know, he come, came in and he goes, oh, mate, I might have um, got your meeting tomorrow with, with Mary if you want to come and have, they're looking for an outside back. And if, you know, if he likes you, there might be an opportunity there. And I said, oh, yeah, no worries. So yeah. being Melbourne Cup called, I didn't think much of it. Being Melbourne Cup called and I went down to the pub, had a few beers, watched the horse races. Yep. Did you miss the call this time? Woke up the next day. <laughs> No, I did miss okay. the call, but woke okay. up the next day feeling a little bit dusty, and I thought, <laughs> "Oh, right, let's go have this meeting." And I, again, I didn't think much was going to come from it. And I remember walking into the meeting, and like a lot of people, I'm assuming when you're a bit dusty, you don't really feel like milk. And it was at a coffee coffee shop. Yep. We walked in. He goes, "Oh, mate, you want to have a coffee?" And you feel like you're sort of obliged to have a coffee at a coffee shop when you're coming into a meeting as well. So I had to try and drink this hot milk, still feeling yep. a little bit worse for wear. So yep. then again, it was sort of left in their court about a month or two later i got a call from got a call from them saying yeah we'd like to sign you for a year um i didn't have much going on at the time and then as i sort of mulled it over i decided in my mind yes said yes to them and then the house came you know, gave me a call and said look do you want to come here for a year with, oh. with wayne and yep so it went from having no um no deals to in a week and having two but as i said to Wayne on the phone. I said, "I oh, look I've, again. I've, I've already verbally committed to St George, and and you remember your word with me, so contract and verbally as well, which is good." Yeah. So, so yeah. So I, I kept my my word to St George, and then got down there. And when you talk about weather, it's um in summer. I don't think there's many better places to train. Obviously, oh, um, Wind Stadium, the beach is right oh. there. We had a gate that yep. took us right out to the water. So, but then yeah, it was a bit of a shock when winter hit. Uh, probably two, three jumpers on and look around winter now in Queensland. I can still get around in, in shorts and a t-shirt. So yep. <laughs> it was a bit of a bit of a change for me and I was, wasn't ready for it. But Corbin and I had the heater on pretty pretty regularly. Yeah, nah, fair. That's honestly fair enough. Um, and talking, like looking back on, the, on your career throughout those uh, teams, who was the biggest pest at each club? Um, biggest pest... Biggest pest at the Broncos would have been Josh Maguire. Which oh, I've I heard that from even Dragons players now. <laughs> I was about to say that'd be a sort of a unanimous decision for most <laughs> clubs. Nurse, but um, um, who else was there? At the Reds, there, were, there weren't too many pests at the Reds. Uh, there was Bobby Tuttle, little halfback. He was a bit of a pest. Oh, sorry. Biggest pest at the Reds was Nick Frisbee, hands down. Okay. Um <laughs> He's still one of the biggest. He's still one of the biggest pests in my phone book. So, <laughs> um, him and Josh might be on the on on par there. Yep. And what about at the Dragons? Or did you do you think you didn't spend enough time to figure out who the biggest pest was? No, um, I don't know because I reckon a few of the boys might say that I was a bit of a pest, but I I, I sort of I picked my targets. Yeah, you know, that's I, it. I, I constantly get into Corey Norman and Ben Hunt about their <laughs> punctuation and grammar. Yep. Oh, uh, they're, they're, um, oh, so, yeah. They're not good with that. <laughs> no, so Normie gets, Normie's a bit off me about that. So I'm constantly, every time he puts something on Instagram, making sure that he spelt something right. Just check him. Yep. Know about it pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. But now that, to be honest, the Dragons boys, they were all, it was a really good unit down there. Um, they, they weren't sec- that successful for a couple of years there, but. You know, there wasn't people sometimes in the media make out, oh, you know, they mustn't gel as a team, blah, 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 blah. But they were a very close team. And, um, 
What do you think? Well, yeah, given uh, that you were there when they were a close team and it's a relatively unchanged lineup this year, what are your thoughts on the rift of what's been caused from the Paul Vaughan debacle? Not asking your opinion of the Paul Vaughan debacle, um, but more um, how do you think it's going to affect the club? Because you said it was quite, they were quite close knit when you were there. How do you think it's going to affect them all as teammates, you know, with all these fines and all that? Like, how do you, do you think they'll, they'll stick together like they were? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's the thing about footy is that, you know, and probably in the environment that the world's moving to, it's now turning into footy players against the world, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, again, I don't condone what, what those boys did. You know, I had mates that, mates that attended and they've all come out and apologised and everything like that, um, things like that. But You, you, know, you, you, don't, you day, don't think that anything could rift them apart from being good, close, bonded teammates sort of thing? Oh, look, I don't think so. You know, that they might they might sit and question who they're going to have a beer with after a game. But when it comes to footy, you've got your best 17 on the field. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have trust within the guy on the left of right on the footy. Oh, absolutely. Footy no matter what he does off the field, it doesn't take his talent away on the footy field. So I think they'll look past that. But again, they're, you know, it's probably good timing that they've gone up into a bubble as well. They can, mm. get, into a ho- they can get into a hotel room all together. They're, they're bonding all together, which... You know, which is something pretty special in a footy team that I probably think that's one thing that you know the general public won't ever get to actually witness and feel that sort of camaraderie that you have you know, going on going on away trips and obviously the bar like, is throwing a whole other. They, they say it's it, on but, par with bonding yeah. of military in the sense of not at war or anything, but you know you're stuck with a group of people for an exponential amount of time, whether it's six months, 12 months, however long a contract is. And you literally, the, the people you work with become not just the, your, they become your best friends. You, you rely on them. And they say it's very similar to a military unit, you know, with that same sort of pairing. Do you think that's, you know, a, a, a accurate representation, you know, or um, what's the word? A, a rep, an accurate, bear with me. Um, an accurate description is the word. Yeah, I do. Um, I do. And, I think it is obviously what the army and military do going and they fight for their lives and fight for our lives and our freedom. So you can't like it that, but the camaraderie and the, the friendships that you yeah. make is, um, it's pretty special, especially if you're lucky enough to be at a team for a prolonged period of time. Um, you build, you build friendships for life that no matter what are going to, um, that are going to be there. Even if, you know, you go two, three years without talking to someone because they've gone to a new team or, it's sort of one of those things that comes back and, and picks up right where you left off. Um, I, I don't want to keep mentioning him, but you know Nick Frisbee is a classic example. Played footy together since we were twelve, then got to the Reds together. He went off and I went to St George. He went off and played in Glasgow and Bordeaux in France. He comes back to Australia and it's right where you where you leave it, and that's something I think footy builds. You know, um, it's probably. A good segue into sort of my life after footy is yeah. You know, I'm in an office now with 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 the same people every day, but you don't have that same camaraderie. You know your work colleagues and everything like that, but it's a um, it's just got a bit of a different feel, which which is again it's something that footy, not just footy, team sport, something that team sports bring that yeah. people that um, you know if you're lucky enough to get in those sort of higher teams and you do build those friendships that. Um, most people maybe can't. Oh, absolutely. And what are you doing with yourself these days, you know, life after footy sort of thing? 
So I'm working at a um, BMD construction company. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm in the procurement team at the moment. It's a um, it's a relatively new team. Um, originally, it was purchasing, then got centralised into a procurement team. So um, I'm lucky enough to have some some very intelligent and commercial savvy bosses to sort of guide me through that acumen. Um, obviously, I can. I can talk because I'm used to sort of talking within footy environments to sponsors and things like that. So I, I like dealing with clients on that side of things. Yep. But it's just the commercial sort of side of it of, you know, as, as weird as it sounds, you know, writing emails, even though it's a simple email, sometimes I still guess, second guess myself. Oh, yep. I've not said that and things like that. But yep. the transition away from footy is being um, pretty pretty seamless, to be honest. And um, I'm loving life at BMD and it, it I guess it's one of those things that people say, you know, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. It's oh, that's it. Cliche yeah. and corny as that is, but yeah, I love love going into work. Oh, absolutely. You got to love what you do. Um, and you obviously you finished up with the Dragons, uh, but you also ended up at winning Manly Seagulls for I think it was a year or two. Um, what was it like, you know, basically getting back to grassroots and you know playing footy again up in Queensland? Well, funny, I actually didn't get to play a game for winning because COVID. Uh, before the, well, before the first trial match against the Bronx, I did my hammy and warm up, and oh. then obviously round one rolled in, and COVID hit, so got shut down, and then went into pre-season, and then last what January this year, I decided to sort of hang them up. Um, family life, work life, it was just it, you know the balance and everything like that, sort of sometimes the work and the family life that need to need to come first I've sort of put footy above anything else for 11 years so uh, my body was my body was ready to stop as well which is yeah. always a good sign um, as, as bad as it sounds I, I haven't missed it yet so that usually means you've made the correct decision so yeah. but going back to Wyndham was was very it was good because the coach Adam Bridson and the strength conditioner was actually my first ever 20 strength and conditioning assistant. Coach. Oh, wow. So it's kind of come full circle your whole, of, yeah. Yeah, to finish your career with them. So um, that was, you know, that was a nice thing. And I had a few mates and mates in the team from previous um, previous years. So again, they're, they're a really good bunch of blokes down at Wynnum and still sort of follow their results. Yeah, there. of course. If you want to talk about biggest pests, Sam Scarlett's easily the biggest pest in the Wynnum team. Do you reckon is he the biggest pest at the Wyndham team or in any team you've played for or with? Uh, no, just the Wyndham team. Yeah. Just the Wyndham team. He's just a typical halfback, mate. He just <laughs> doesn't shut. Just, and he just knows how to push your buttons even though you're trying to let him push your buttons. But he just really gets to me. I <laughs> really enjoyed that I've said that too. Yeah. Um, now, um, during your time, did you have any pre-game rituals or superstitions, like a certain sock or a certain meal or a certain way to, you know, prep for your game? Yeah, I had, I, and you ask any of the Bronx boys, I had too many. I oh, also. okay. Uh, so, like, my, my whole day was usually planned out to the to the T of what time I do things, what I have for lunch. This is for home games. Away okay. games, not so much about routine. Cause okay, talk us a game. day in your a day in the life of Lachlan Maranta on a home game day. Uh, what would, you know, from start of the day to kick off of the game? So we used to go to a, um, 
uh, there's probably about six of us that used to go to Brekkie at Champside called Scoozy. Yep. Um, there was Peter, Peter Walls, Drell, Matt Gillette, Corey Oates, Dale Copley used to come every now and then. And we'd always have the same Brekkie. Everyone would order the same thing. I still remember if Peter Walls' eggs weren't runny enough, he'd send them back. But he was superstitious about that. Yep. Um, we'd walk around Chermside for a tiny bit, you know, if someone needed to get something and go home. 12 o'clock, I'd have lunch, the exact same lunch, chicken wrap salad. Um, I'd get into get into bed, put a movie on, and be asleep, hopefully within about an hour. Wake up at 3 o'clock, have a shave straight away. Get I'll say I had to be clean shaven every game day. I had the same plate. Yeah, which I look back on now and sort of wasted a lot of my time. <laughs> um, not that I grow much, much, much facial hair, so that's probably a lucky thing. Um, and then... Drive to the game. I had a game playlist for music. And what was the first there. song that would that I'd would always start? Always make sure my boots. No, it didn't matter what song started. Okay. Always um, was the way. But um, I'd get in there. I'd always make sure my boots were perfectly lined up underneath where I sit, which was one of the boys' sort of favourite things to to mess up. So oh, I'd say yeah. go to the toilet, come back, and my boots boots would be out of line and. Oh. You know, they're like little schoolgirls. You'd be, they'd be looking at you, you're looking for a reaction, going and change it, put it back, and they'd just be giggling themselves. So, um, <laughs> then I'd go into the same place, some court roll, um, just play with the footy, lie down, play Candy Crush on my phone, just sort of zone off and just relax. Yeah, but was and it always Candy Crush? No other game. It was. It was always Candy Crush. Which um, one one day I don't know if you've been in the Bronx change rooms underneath some court. You can see it's. Um, you can, the fans can see see in, but we can't see out. Yeah, yeah. And um, I I got an Instagram message from a random bloke saying um, that I'd screwed up one of the levels on Candy Crush and she's <laughs> on like left oh. on something. <laughs> you sort of opened it, turned around, looked at him, and he just had a big smile. So that that was a good interaction. But then yeah, twenty minutes to go, I'd go inside, and that's when I'd start getting ready for the game. And, it was all, always the did, same. Did you have to be strapped routine, first short, out um, of all of the players? Soft. or I never got strapped. Okay. So, I was, I, yeah, so I didn't have to waste time getting, getting strapped, which was good. So, um, but yeah, everything else was... And then, then last song I'll play, which I'm not proud to say, but was Justin Bieber's song. What song? Um, don't, don't know. Um, as Long As You Love Me. Hey, not gonna lie, that song slaps. That's a good song. But it was the acoustic version as well, oh, so I okay. feel like that's a bit more. That's a bit yeah, hey on. Um, yep, that's no, yeah, good. It's, it's good. Uh, so. Okay, uh, what what's what other songs were in the playlist? If you don't mind me asking. Um, one embarrassing one. There was a Frozen soundtrack song in there. Oh, was it Let It Go? Let it go. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was. What yeah. other um, What <laughs> other was ones? It. Was there Thunderstruck? Because that's always in someone's playlist, do you reckon? No. No? No. no, no. I've never really liked pump-up songs to, before games. Okay, you know, you'd rather chill songs. Listen okay. to songs. I'd rather chill songs, yeah. Which Or songs that I just I enjoy. So. Yeah. Not that I enjoyed the Frozen song, but for some reason it was in there. I listened to it one day and then superstitious me made sure that it was in there for the rest so <laughs> fair enough yep yeah. oh wow that's honestly really interesting mm. and then obviously do you have a certain thing when that two minute buzzer or bell things in the in the sheds like maybe a spew or a pee or you've got you've got to you know touch something of your locker or something so i had a thing where the boys would always um 
go into their team team model or whatever. And um, I did some work with a, a life coach, I guess you call him. And he it got me into this thing, just three deep breaths, just would just sort of relax you and calm you and take your mind off off everything. And one day I just closed my eyes and did three deep breaths, but I felt like I was standing right in the middle of the change rooms. I thought, no, oh, this is a bit weird. Like, you know, people are walking around me. So the next game I removed myself, went over to the side of the room, just in front of the wall and took three deep breaths. And then as I turned around, about four of them, what the hell are you doing? But that was sort of the something that I um, I stuck with. And the boys, some of the boys, like Jack Reed, they still talk about the three breaths and how weird I am, So, which Jack can't really call anyone anyone weird because he's not exactly normal uh what what sort of pre-game rituals did you see him 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 come up with or do if he had any no he had no pre-game rituals him and i used to do something on the field where we'd sort of throw the 20 20 catches at each other and eventually after 20 catches walk towards each other and see who dropped it first as you got close but end up just pegging at each other so that was a bit of fun and but jack was a pretty laid back laid back character and he's I would say he's a laid back actor now, but if you ask him, he's the busiest man in Australia. So, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, he's, he's gotcha. A up, he's a bit uptight now, Jack. Fair enough. No, I'm, I get you. Um, now, uh, just going through the list of talking points to see if there's anything else. Um, looking back on your career with, you know, Union, Rugby League, um, even now with BMD, what would be your uh, personal highlight so far? Personal highlight. Um, personal highlight's probably obviously your debut, um, and then you know that twenty fifteen season was pretty special. Oh mate! Part of. Oh, Daniel! Um, oh, I loved obviously. that year. Don't get me wrong; I didn't love the result of the grand final, but still the grand fight. Like that whole mate. Don't even get me. Oh, goosebumps! Don't get me started. Continue. Sorry, please continue. Yeah. So, so that's a, that's a big one. Um, Rugby again. It comes back to probably the mateships that you make. You know, you make friends for life. Um, things like that. That was pretty cool for rugby union. I got to debut over in um, Argentina. Oh wow! Buenos Aires. So that's a pretty cool thing where, where footy takes you for a week as well. So it's sort of those little things that you, you get to go and do. Um, I was lucky enough to go on a training camp over in Dallas with a few of the other Broncos boys. That was that was a pretty pretty cool experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to sort of pick one, but if you had to, you sort of your debut having having mum there and um, was yeah, your granddad uh, at, at, at your debut? My, if you don't mind me asking, no, he wasn't. He was in he was in Sydney, so he was, he was a bit old to get down there. Well, maybe he was. If he wasn't, he would have definitely watched it. Uh, let's put it that way. Yeah, he did. He would have watched it, and he, he probably watched it a couple more times. Uh, <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, was your dad at the at your game? No, so dad left mum and I when I was about two. So oh, okay. He didn't, he didn't exactly have much to do with my footy footy career. Um, weirdly enough, like growing up, and he was okay. down in Sydney. He was at the Gold Coast, and then he moved to Sydney as I was hitting about eleven or eleven, okay. twelve. So I was going to ask maybe what was what was it like growing up, you know, with your dad in the limelight, you know, in the in the rugby league, if you don't mind me asking. But if you don't want to. You know, talking about that because you may not have been as active, you know, in the NRL by that time when you were old enough to, you know, understand footy. 
Yeah, no, I remember him playing for the Gold Coast Chargers. That's probably the only only time. But mum, mum really did everything. She taught me to she taught me to catch. She taught me to, taught me to kick. Uh, we used to go down to New Farm Park every Sunday. I'd play play with her for about half an hour, and then she'd get tired. And then she reckons I used to run off and ask ask older men if I could just go and play touch footy with them. So oh, nice. She was a, she was probably the real driving force behind my career. Wow. No, again, that, that's it was one of those awesome. things as a young kid. I probably didn't. Hmm. Sorry, as a young kid, sorry, continue. Oh, as a young kid, I probably didn't appreciate how much mum did for me, but now I've grown up. I probably thought it was a bit embarrassing saying that about your mum, but now you oh, grow nah. up, you, you, you're happy to say that that, that mum did all that, all, did all that, and I've got a real respect for single mothers. Um, Absolutely, as do I. Yeah, my father left when hmm. I was 14, obviously not anything like you when you were two but mum did absolutely everything while going through cancer so i can absolutely agree that i will i will definitely defend me being a mama's boy i i am a mama's boy i love my mum <laughs> so um yeah now, I, I don't i don't tell mum i'm a mama's boy nah no nah, I, don't, I don't tell me mum that but you know definitely i'm a mama's <laughs> <Nah>. boy 